This is the EVP Podcast. It's time once again for another episode of the EVP Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Beaker. And Ghosty's over here. And that's it. Just us. Just us. Anytime it's just us, you will hear us say, (laughs) it's just us. It's just us. Because we're not creative. Nope. Um, (laughs) We want to thank our special guest last week that we had. Paul. Paul. Thanks for coming, Paul. One of these days, we might actually make it out to Nevada. We will. We will. We've been saying it for two years. We definitely will. Um, So, yeah. Thanks for coming on. Uh, I had a lot of fun. I hope you did, too. It was a good episode. It was a good episode. So, in since our last episode, um, since we were so super prepared with <laughs> EVPs from our good friend Paul, um, we decided to get some more EVPs. We do have some EVPs. We have some EVPs. So, this first one comes from our friend Nicole, the queen of cryptids. And this was at our Ritz investigation. Yes. Do I sound like I'm clipping? Mm, a little bit. A little bit. All right. So this is from Nicole. This is from our Ritz investigation the other week. The other week. So listen yes. up. Like, before the theater was built here, you know. It almost sounds like we are listening. We are listening? That's what I hear. What do you hear? I don't know. Play it one more time. Like, Okay, now that you've said that, I hear it say we are listening. You can hear the pronunciation of the yeah. S, huh? Yeah. It's like, we are listening. We are listening. That's what I hear. That's cool. Yeah. She sent us a bunch of others that we just kind of listened to beforehand, and we think that was the only... That was the that was the only one that we could that stood out. Yeah, so the other ones we're not one hundred percent sure on, so we're not going to play those. Yeah, but that this, one is the one that we, we're pretty sure is an EVP. And I mean, from what I can hear, it sounds like there's a spirit saying, "We are listening." Yes, I see that. You want to hear it one more time? Uh, sure. Let's okay. do it one more time for the listeners. Like before, the theater was built here. You know. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I think you're right. I think they are saying we are listening. But um, tell us what you think you're, yeah. we're hearing. Tell us if we're wrong. Let us know or, what yeah. you think you hear. But it, to me, it sounds like we are listening. Okay. So we have one more. And this one's a good one, too. This one comes from the Paranormal Potluck that I did uh, in May. So, yeah, a couple months ago. Uh, if you remember one of our guest hosts that we had, uh, Castle was on not too long ago. Castle was actually the one that got this EVP because I don't think I had a recorder going. I think the Queen of Cryptids might have also gotten this on her EVP as well. She hasn't oh. listened. She hasn't listened to her Benson Grismel audio yet, from what I understand. But uh, she will be going through that soon, so she probably has this as well. But Castle finally sent me this EVP. We were in the top floor of the mill. And when this happened, Castle and I actually heard it audibly. So it wasn't just an EVP. Like, we actually heard this. Interesting. So you'll hear me say, uh, 
it's I stood up at one point. We were kind of like um, filling around that there was a negative entity in the mill with us. And when I stood up, I said it felt like it tried to make itself bigger. Uh, when I stood up, like it was trying to make itself bigger than me to mm-hmm. try to intimidate me. And then it's shortly after that, you can hear its response. So hopefully Spotify is not dominant unless we play it. Hold on one second. Huh? It almost felt like when I stood up, it tried to make himself feel bigger. Why wouldn't it? Because the bigger I saw was... I'll play that one more time. It's right after you hear my friend Mike say, why wouldn't it? Huh? It almost felt like when I stood up, it tried to make himself feel bigger. Why wouldn't it? Because the bigger I saw was... So you hear that? Yeah, it's almost like, I felt it. Uh, maybe. I don't know if that's what it says. I'm going to play, play it again. one more time. Huh? It almost felt like when I stood up and tried to make himself feel bigger. Why wouldn't it? Because the bigger I saw was... So what we think it says is, I did it. Almost hear an F in there. I don't know why. Quite possibly. I did play it for Brandy. And she said it's actually two spirits. Really? Yeah. Like the first one was saying the I part and then a different spirit finished it. Interesting. Is what she told me. Uh-huh. But I mean, the the cool thing about this one is it wasn't just uh, EVP that we caught. Like Castle and I actually heard this when it happened. And we both... Uh, we're like, did anyone say anything just now? Did anyone else hear it? And I think Nicole said she heard it as well. And so I made sure that he, on on the his Tascam audio recorder, it actually says like the file number, you know, like what file it's currently on and the time. Mm-hmm. So I was quick thinking enough to have him jot down the file and time, so it was easier for him to go find this EVP. Nice. So and I just got this like two days ago, so I, I thought it was a pretty good one. That was pretty good, actually. So, hey, EVPs, two weeks in a row on the EVP podcast. What? That's amazing. Amazing. But <laughs> we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk a move about a movie, sort of, this week. Kind of, sort of. Kind of, sort of. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about The Exorcist, nineteen seventy three, from the movie that's based on a book that was written in like nineteen seventy one by William Blatty. I couldn't tell you the name. I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with that as well. Someone correct us if we're wrong. We probably are <laughs> not wrong. Um, William Blatty. Yeah, I'll go with that. I think it was, I, like it. I think it was actually Sounds William. Sounds good. I think it was actually William Peter Blatty. Yes, William Peter Blatty. 1971. Look at you go. Look at I know. you go. Well, Wikipedia helped me out. <laughs> so, we've all seen The Exorcist. We're assuming. We're assuming. <laughs> Uh, apparently one of the, the, if not the scariest horror film of all time, I still have a hard time watching this movie. I don't know if I've even watched it all the way through completely. Oh, like we no can, stopping. We can watch it. I'm down. I have the 25th anniversary edition on Blu-ray. So then you know it's good. Yeah. I'm down to watch it. Okay, so if you haven't seen it, we're going to spoil this movie a little bit from you know 1972. Yeah, so get ready to get your movie spoiled, folks. Yes. If you haven't seen if it. If you haven't seen it yet, you're probably not going to see it. <laughs> uh, long story short, there's this little girl that gets possessed shortly after playing with the Ouija board. And in the movie, she gets like 
cuts and scrapes on her body. Her bed levitates. Her head um, spins. Head spins. She pukes. She does. There's a very inappropriate scene with the crucifix. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, one of the priests, his mother had passed away recently, and the entity inside of the girl said, your mother's in here with us, uh, taunting the, the priest. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, room gets really cold. You can see your breath. You know, long, drawn-out battle with this demon, right? Right. And it gets to the point to where the priest convinces this demon to leave the girl alone and possess him instead. And there's this moment of transference. The demon jumps into the priest. The priest runs and jumps out the window, killing himself. And thus get rid rid of of the demon. (laughs) That's not how it works, though. No. But to him, he thought he was doing good. But yes. So that's that's the the gist of the movie. Okay. So this movie is actually supposedly based on a true story. I'm going to say supposedly because I don't know. Because that's supposed. Supposed. <laughs> so it's supposed to be based on this story uh, that happened in, in 1949. And it started in a little town in Maryland. Do you know the name of the town? No, I do not. Well, What's the name? I I can find it. It's um, <laughs> it's a little town called called somewhere, Cottage City. Cottage City. Cottage City, Maryland. Yeah. So, I'm not a hundred percent sure that. I'm gonna go with Roland Doe is the guy's name, just because that's the alias that was given to him. I have seen a couple different websites that say his name is Ronald. Um, Oh, gosh. I am so prepared. So, Roland. We'll go with Roland. Roland. We're going to call him Roland Doe for this episode, but I've seen a couple different names. One was like, um, I have it. Ronaldo Jr. So, (laughs) Robbie Mannheim is one of the the names that was given to him, which I don't think is accurate. And then the other one was like Ronald... um, McDonald. Ronald McDonald. <laughs> we'll go with McDonald. Yes. Um, we don't either know. way, it doesn't matter. It does not. It doesn't matter. So basically, it, it, I don't know. So many different websites, so many different names for this guy, so many different names for his aunt that he was really close to. And the documentary that we just watched, the Shock Doc documentary on Discovery Plus, his aunt's name was Tilly. Uh, on every website that I've read so far, her name was Harriet. So I don't know. <laughs> Harriet Tilly is what it is. So he had an aunt that he was really fond of that um, one day for his birthday, I guess, gave him a Ouija board. She was really into spiritualism, uh, was into the paranormal type stuff, and gave him a Ouija board for his birthday and was like teaching him how to play with it. And I guess shortly after this happened, uh, his aunt passed away. And he was, he was sad, as okay. he would be. And he decided. He decided he was going to try to use the, the Ouija board to try to contact his aunt. So they, they weren't sure what was going on. Like So the reason why he decided he was going to try to contact his aunt to see if it was her or to see if she was around is because shortly after her death, 
him and his family started experiencing some weird stuff in the house. There was like scratching coming from inside the walls. There was like loud noises and stuff going on in the house. And so they break out the Ouija board or he, he gets it out, tries to contact his aunt. And then things just start going downhill from there. <laughs> you think? So long story short, Ouija boards are bad. Apparently, I don't think so. I think it's the intent of the user. I still won't use one. Yeah. Um, just because I, I don't like giving spirits permission to touch my body. Only me. Only, well, you're not a spirit. <laughs> I have a spirit. And it can so, touch your body. Yeah. I'm sure it could. <laughs> uh, so they started, other things started happening. Like they, they even, they like brought an exterminator because they thought they had rats on the wall from the scratching. And um, from what I understand, the, the exterminator is like, well, that's not possible for rats to be in this wall because it's a solid, like, load-bearing wall. There shouldn't be anywhere for the, the rats to get in. Mm-hmm. Um, they would hear people running through Roland's room, even though there's no one in there. Like, apparently he was uh, an only child. So it was just him, his parents. And they would be, like, downstairs. They'd hear running around in his room even though there should be nobody up there. Mm-hmm. So they eventually contacted a their local clergy, their their priest, and his name was, he was a Lutheran minister named Reverend Schultz. And they wanted him to check things out, right? So he, like, I think he came to the house and saw that there was stuff going on and thought it was just, like, poltergeist activity. So what he decided to do, instead of just observing uh, Roland at his house, are you falling asleep? No, I'm just closing my eyes. Okay. Am I boring you? No. Um, (laughs) He wanted to observe the boy. Um, By the way, I don't think I mentioned he was only like 13 years old when this all went down. He was like a really skinny kid. Um, So some of the stuff that was going on, it it, it would be kind of difficult for him to do. But, like, his bed would shake at night uh, while he was in it. What was he, what was he doing when that was happening? Uh, sleeping. He'd be asleep, and his bed would just start shaking. Apparently, it would levitate as well. Did he did he call anybody in his room? Uh, I think his parents, maybe. I'm, I'm sure they heard him screaming, and they came running in to see what was going on. So, he's got this reverend that he wants to see if it's just poltergeist activity. Because usually, poltergeist will just kind of stick at the house that it's in, right? It won't, mm-hmm. it won't travel. Right, right. Apparently. So he invites Roland over to his house so he can observe him at his own house. And he has him set up in uh, the guest room. And within like an hour of Roland going to sleep, the bed starts to shake like violently. And so he takes him out of the bed and uh, apparently puts him in an armchair on the other side of the room. Because he wasn't sure if Roland was doing this himself. Or not. Uh, so he puts him in the armchair, and shortly after, again, after he falls asleep, the armchair starts shaking and then falls to the floor and knocks him out of the chair. Oh, shit. So then he sets up like a little uh, mattress or like a comforter on the floor to have him sleep on. And shortly after this is all set up, the boy gets pulled underneath the bed and his head starts like slamming on the box springs underneath the bed. Oh, what the hell? Yeah. What? Yeah. So, I mean, so this this reverend is seeing all this stuff going on, and he's just like, okay, it's not a poltergeist. 
because uh, I guess poltergeists don't travel. They're very stationary. Uh-huh. And he kind of notifies uh, Roland's parents. He's like, I think you need to go see a Catholic priest. He's like, this is beyond my area of expertise. I don't know what to do. So go see this bishop. I think, or this priest, I guess the priest's name was uh, Bishop. Oh, the priest's name was Bishop. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I guess they, they met up with uh, a guy named Albert Hughes. And Albert was convinced that there was something evil inside of him when Roland, or when a telephone flew off his desk across the room uh, when him and Roland were talking. Whoa. And Roland began speaking in Latin. And the temperature in the office while he was talking to this uh, friar would just drop. Like, it would just get really cold. Um... He was apparently cleared by his archbishop to give Roland his first exorcism. Um, this was this took place in Georgetown University. Uh, the hospital that Hughes took Roland to, um, they got themselves ready uh, for this exorcism. And I guess only a couple minutes into the process, Roland became extremely violent and he was able to slip free from the restraints they had him in. Was able to pull out a bed spring from the bed itself. And then from what they say on the documentary, he was able to stab the priest in the arm just below the shoulder and drag it all the way down to his wrist and just like mm-hmm. cutting the priest, thus ending the exorcism. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it showed a scar, didn't it? I think so. Yeah, and it had like his hand all mangled looking just with some stitches. Uh, it said 100 stitches. 100 stitches, yes. Um, so after that, the guy kind of didn't want to have anything to do with this. I wouldn't either. I'd be like, you know what? Screw this kid. I'm not coming back. <laughs> yeah, per- that's pretty much uh, what happened apparently. Yeah, screw this kid. So he sends him home and Roland's his behavior doesn't get any better. He's still acting out, still getting these bits of rage. Uh, Screw this kid. He had a screaming fit in his bathroom. And and, uh, according to the research, the the name or the word Lewis appeared on his chest. Like it was like welts or it was like cut into his chest. The word Lewis. And his parents took this to me as a sign as that, well, we need to go to St. Louis. Because they had family in St. Louis. His dad's uh, brother, Roland's, uh-huh. so Roland's uncle, uh, lived in St. Louis. And they were like devout Catholics. So they thought um, they thought it would be a good idea to move the family from Maryland uh-huh. and go to St. Louis to live with, live with his uh, aunt and uncle there. And I guess they had asked the spirit board uh if st louis is what it was talking about and they got the answer yes so they moved to st louis um once they get there they're there for a little bit and one of roland's cousins who was uh attending a jesuit affiliate affiliated st louis university spoke to one of her professors about what was going on with her cousin mm-hmm. uh they ended up with a friar named william bodron and friar raymond bishop so this is where Bishop came in. 
Um, and they, they actually came to the home so they can evaluate. Oh, <laughs> quack. Quack. Um, <laughs> they came to observe him at his home. So it just, cause when, when it comes to like demonic possession, uh, the Catholic church will do whatever they can to rule out anything, any other possibilities, whether it's like a physical or mental illness or any other, they, they try to explain it away first. They don't just go, okay, this is, this is the demon. Let's get rid of it. That's just not how it works. So they actually send out people ahead of time to do research and then they do their, their research. And after they evaluated, they decided that he was indeed possessed and they had scheduled an exorcism hoping that it would work. Right. Okay. Uh, there was apparently nine priests and 48 witnesses to this exorcism. And he was, uh, he was, he underwent um, basically a month long worth of exorcisms, like 30 days in a row. Night after night, sometimes up to nine hours at a time going through all these exorcisms. And during these exorcisms, uh, I guess there was one of the guys, I think it was Bishop, was keeping like a diary or journal of what was going on Mm -hmm. in these exorcisms. And this, I guess, recently came out in the last couple of years. And that's how they have some of these documentaries that they made now that talk about what this actually case. went on with the, this case. Apparently, at one point in time, while it, during one of the exorcisms, the word evil and the word hell was like scratched into his chest. There was a lot of times where the bed would levitate about eight inches off the floor. I think there was times where he levitated himself, was levitating above the bed. What? That's pretty nuts. Speaking in Latin, speaking in this like deep guttural voice. Uh, just he didn't sound like himself. Um, and, and like I said, he was he's speaking in Latin, which is not a language he knew. You know, thirteen years old, nineteen forty-nine. I don't know that there's a lot of books around that teach you how to speak Latin. <laughs> right. Not like today. You can Rosetta Stone Latin. Even um, then, I don't think kids would pick up on shit that fast. Probably not. <laughs> uh, so at one point during the exorcisms, like he was, he wasn't just like he was kind of toted all over the place for these exorcisms too. He's at the uh, um, was it the Alexian Brotherhood Church? The hell was that? Well, if you paid attention, it's it was a hospital. <laughs> I fell asleep. I know it was. It's late. I've been up early. So, one of the places where the exorcisms took place was the Alexian Brothers Hospital in St. Louis, Missouri, um, which eventually was renamed the South City Hospital. Um, during one of the exorcisms, there was a priest named Walter Holleron. Uh, he was called to the psychiatric wing of the hospital where he was asked to assist Bodron. Um, there was also William Van Rue, who was a, another Jesuit priest, uh, was also there to assist and this is when the words evil and hell like appeared on Roland's chest. Uh, apparently at one point in time during one of these exorcisms, he was able to kind of break free of like the restraints and people trying to hold him down and was actually able to punch Holleron in the face and broke his nose. Oh shit. So there were signs of like uh, superhuman strength going on with this kid. Um, I know at one point in time they, because he was Lutheran, they decided that they were going to baptize him Catholic to help get rid of whatever was inside of him. They felt like, if okay, if we make him Catholic, 
this will help us with the exorcism. <laughs> and I guess on the way to the church, uh, he started screaming and trying to grab at the steering wheel. And I was like, you're not going to baptize me. That's not going to help. Um, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. According to the documentary, like I said, this, this went on for like a month. I think they eventually were able to get rid of whatever was inside of them, like the day before Easter. And what they're saying happened was uh, the this demon or this entity was saying that there's one word that all Roland had to do was say this word and it would make everything end. Shazam. Shazam. <laughs> That's all you had to say? Yes. The whole time? The whole time. The was Shazam. Shazam. Son yes. of a bitch. <laughs> and he said it and all was right with the world. <laughs> he was able to fight the seven deadly sins with his brothers and sisters from adopted family <laughs> and the end. Um, it's a beautiful story. No, it was the Latin word uh, for Lord. And they were saying like uh, the, the demon or the, at some point in time, it claimed that it was the devil. The, the devil was saying he was inside of this boy. Hmm. Uh, I know that during, there were several times throughout these exorcism processes where like everything would go back to normal for about a week or so. And then everything started, it was like, okay, it's done. And then it would start acting up again. So this happened a couple different times. So the last time, uh, when they were trying to perform this exorcism, apparently Roland had some sort of like vision where he saw the Archangel Michael. Okay. I think it was the, with like his fiery sword and a pitchfork, like, banishing the demons back down to hell. And that's when Michael apparently told Roland to say, um, Shazam. Shazam. (laughs) I don't know the word, the Latin word, Uh, basically Lord in Latin. Um, I can't remember the word. Gosh. Shazam. Shazam. So he tells him to say Shazam and he does. (laughs) And then after, after this all goes down, like, I guess he wakes up and looks at, uh, Father Bodron and says, you know, it's over. It's done. He's all Shazam. Shazam. Father I'm Bodrin. free. I'm, I'm free. free. I'm free, Father. Shazam. Shazam. <laughs> <laughs> but really, that's all he had, That's all he did. I mean, I, well, that's not just all. I mean, there was a month worth of exorcisms. Oh, yeah, true. So, <laughs> so a month long of exorcisms, and then to end it all, he just had to say Shazam. Yes, with the help of the Archangel Michael. And he came down and said, hey, boy, say Shazam. Say my name. Say Shazam. Say Shazam. And you shall be set free. Yes. Well, shit. And that's all he did. Anyways. I mean, that's not all. So, like, so a month long of, of all month these long exorcisms, exorcisms. Yes. what went through this kid physically? Did he end up with, like, any deformities after all this shit? No, from what I understand, no. He was ended up being just fine. He um is it he did apparently throughout this whole ordeal, he did get a lot of scratches and cuts on him, like the words carved into his chest and stuff like that. But from what I understand, there was no scars or lasting effects to him, but his head didn't turn in a circle. No. Oh, okay. Just That's like good. the bed silent violently shaking. Uh I guess one of the nights they left a jar of holy water in the room with them, and, and it it got thrown across the room, 
which could have easily been him doing it. They, they made it sound like it just flew across the room on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess uh, Reverend uh, Baudrin wasn't sure that it was actually done when uh, he had said Shazam, and that's not the word. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, he was like, well, I've seen this before, so how do I know? He's like, I guess he prayed for a sign. And there was this like loud explosion in the in the hospital that they were in. And some of the priests reported seeing like in some like fire above the bell tower, like the Archangel Michael. And that was his sign that like, okay, it's actually over. So we just, we just uh, dumbed down a hour and a half documentary until about 20 minutes. Um, Hell yes. Yes, sir. We'll Hell give you the, yes. on a br- the abridged version. Yeah. The Shazam version. The Shazam, <laughs> Shazam version. So, uh, most recent name that they say his name was, was Ronald like Hunkler or something like that. Um, I guess he passed away in 2020 of old age. He was 86. Okay. Uh, he grew up, had a normal life, you know, got married, had a lot of kids, named his first son, Michael after the Archangel Michael. Uh, apparently he worked for NASA as well. He helped with the moon landing. He helped create some of the, like the anti heat metal stuff that they used. Okay. Um, one website I read said that he also helped design the atomic bomb. Hmm. I don't know if that was in during his time, was it? Uh, I don't know. No. See, that's, there's Maybe. a lot of, there's Maybe. a lot of, I mean, 1969, the moon landing totally could have been, uh, with that. Cause at this point, this is 20 years later. So he would have been like 33 when the moon landing happened. So, that I can I can see, but I guess he just lived a normal life and didn't really talk about it. Like most people that were involved in this case were pretty tight lipped about it. The way that William Peter Blatty got a hold of this information is while he was at Georgetown University, mm-hmm. he came across some news articles and stuff uh, while he was researching something, and came across all these articles and some of these journals and stuff, and that's where he got the inspiration to write The Exorcist. Oh, okay. So apparently he had some information that a lot of other people didn't have. So that's where he, he came up with this and wrote Shazam and wrote Shazam. One of the most successful, successful horror movies of all time. <laughs> well, shit, that was a, that's pretty nuts for this kid to have to go through a month long of exorcisms. Yeah. And I mean, each one was hours long. It's up to nine hours. Some of them were. Holy shit. No, this is like a nightly thing. Like, they, I mean, they, um, they weren't getting paid for it. No, because they're <laughs> priests. They, at some point in time, I guess when he was at one of the universities where they were doing some of the exorcisms, like people just walking by would hear this yelling and screaming, uh, at his house when he was staying with his aunt and uncle in, uh, St. Louis neighbors would hear all this yelling and screaming going on. Uh, like I said, there was like 48 witnesses that signed off on that. Like there was unusual stuff happening with him. However, uh, all of these people, including the Catholic church, they, no one will come out and straight up say that it was demonic possession, but they're not saying it wasn't either. I wonder what they're hiding. I don't know. It's been years. They can just say it now. Um, apparently he passed away you know, three years ago. So. So, I don't know. So yeah, just let it out. 
Just let it out. <laughs> just tell us. Tell us the secrets. Tell us all the secrets. There's no hiding anymore. See, but there's a lot of like conspiracies that go on behind this. There was one guy on the documentary that said um, it, it didn't just go away. You know, how in the movie I talked about mm-hmm. how the, the one priest invited the, the entity into him and then jumped out the window, right? Yeah. So what what this one uh, investigator believes when he went and visited a hospital, um, there was a room that he wasn't allowed to go in. They just told him to put his ear up to the door and he could hear things flying around and someone screaming inside. Mm-hmm. So what he believes happened is there was, that did happen, that there was a priest that invited this entity into him so the boy would be left alone. And they knew this at the time when the exorcist happened, or the exorcism happened, and they locked this guy away to kind of keep the demon away from other people. And I guess this guy had it in him until he died in like 1983. He had it in him? Yes. Is that what, he's, is that what he was saying? Yes. Well, that's not what the priest said. That's what other people said. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Very interesting. Yes. Well, is there anything else about uh, I guess in the 70s, they were going to tear down one of the wings of the uh, Alexian Brothers Hospital. And there was the construction workers found a room that was locked. So they broke in there and they found a desk. And in the desk was the the diary that detailed all of the exorcisms. The exorcisms. And that's how they got. That's how we have a lot of the information that we have nowadays. So there's a lot more to this that I'm not going into. Yeah. Uh, the documentary, like I said, it's an hour and a half documentary. It's on Discovery Plus. It's called The Exorcism. Roland Doe, you can go watch it if you want. Um, or you don't have to now that we talked about it. See, what I cut out, or what we cut out from that documentary, was them over-explaining demonic possession and Catholicism. <laughs> because they explained it probably about 400 times. Really? Yeah. Oh, you would no. know if you watched it. Yeah, well, if um, I... Stayed awake. If you stayed awake. Well, was, I mean, was, after the three 300th time of them explaining it, I passed yeah. out. No, I don't blame you. <laughs> they the, Like, literally half of the documentary was them talking about... Uh, I couldn't stay... <laughs> I couldn't stay up. Yeah. No, I don't blame you. Like I said, like I said it, was, it was literally half of it was actually about the exorcism what the kid went through. The other half was various different people, like Catholic priests and paranormal investigators. There's a guy that wrote a book on the, the case. Mm. Um it was it was them explaining over and over and over again how demonic possession works <laughs> and what the Catholic Church does. Yes, they're experts. Well, the Catholic priest was. Yeah, he's apparently done uh, hundreds of exorcisms, twelve actual like possessions, like full on possessions, but a hundred of like hundreds of cases of people like being up oppressed by entities. Oh shit. So I, he might be in, uh, somewhat of an expert in that area. But, yeah, the, I mean, the documentary is doing exactly what I'm doing right now and just explaining to you over and over again <laughs> how Catholicism works with demonic possessions. Uh-huh. So I just cut out about probably 45 minutes of the documentary for you and gave you the juicy stuff. Yeah, that's all you care for yeah. is the juice. The juice. And we got you. We got mm-hmm. you all the juice. Yes. <laughs> the juice is loose. Well, are we? Do we have any um, investigations coming up? I uh, in about a month. Look for the tickets. Uh, we're still trying to finalize something. The we're waiting for our contact to go back from vacation. 
because the location that we're trying to get into is now closed. Is now closed. Uh, uh, two days ago. Two days. Yes, on two the thirtieth. Two days ago was the last day of its. Uh, it's the Ritz Theater. The Ritz. Yes, we're trying to get back to the Ritz. We went twice, investigated it. We wanted to scout it out. Felt it was a good place to do paranormal investigations. We're going to do a public hunt there. And then come to find at out, at the end of they August, shut the doors. Yeah. They, they two days ago. Two days ago, and the last movie they showed was mm. Super Mario Brothers. To me, and Mario. Yes. So uh, our contact Ladon is currently on vacation. Uh, so when she gets back, we'll once, once we finalize and have it confirmed that we'll still be able to do the investigation, even though the Ritz is now permanently closed, um, we will put that up on Eventbrite. So, and it's going to be a very small investigation. I think we're going to sell like ten to thirteen tickets. We're not yeah, going to sell a whole lot. It'll be a small one because it is. It, it's a cool place. It's a real cool place, and you don't want to have too many people. But did you also see? That the prison is now torn down. The prison is completely torn down. I think it was uh, a couple days after we recorded our prison days, episode. Yeah, it was it was completely demolished. There's mm-hmm. nothing left. We did have a lot of people reach out to us. They were super jealous. Uh, as I would am be I, too. As I am be I, too. because I didn't actually get to go. I got to see it from a distance. Um, yeah. Oh my God. We had. We were right there. I was, we were there. We were right you there. were actually in there. Yeah, I, was, I have. I was close. Um, but yeah, the the old Draper Utah State Prison is officially gone. But you know, not forgotten. EVP podcast, we got the goods, and there we was, got to go in. There was a lot of people that reached out to us. They were because they were all jealous. They were they were jealous. They were hoping that at least somebody got to go in, and we were the ones. Yep, you were the ones. It was this guy. Yes, and the other guy, and the other guy. <laughs> but no, uh, that was that was pretty awesome, and it it's crazy that it's gone now. Yes. It is so crazy, and then you and know it wasn't. What? It was. It wasn't very long for them. Once they started tearing it down, it was down. It was down it was quick. Just a couple weeks, and then you know what? The Ritz Theater might be gone too. Who knows what hap- what's going to happen after this? We don't know what's going to happen. So who knows? This might be the last investigation that we do for for the for Ritz. Ritz yes. For the Ritz, not for us, but for the Ritz. Yes. So we are looking into some other places. I do have another paranormal Pollock coming up. Um. But that's not for listeners because I'm mean. <laughs> but that's always a Benson Grismill. Um, but for we, listeners, we are we are. If you are, if, if you're interested in the paranormal potluck, though, hit us up. You can find us on our social medias at evp.pod at Instagram and Facebook, or you can email us at evp.pod at gmail.com. If you've got a story, or if you have information about the Roland Doe case that we did not talk about and you'd like us to mention, hit us up. We might Let not mention it. I yes. doubt it. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, if you're also looking for some paranormal gear, some ghost hunting equipment, check out our affiliate affiliate link to ghostop.com. Um, but yeah, we're also scouting out some other places. We're going to try to start doing more public investigations. Yeah, we do more of that. And yeah, definitely check out some of that ghost hunting equipment. Um, like some of those uh, EVPs you're catching on your wrist, right? Uh, yeah, I actually, um, we, we recently posted about it on Instagram and Facebook. I use my smartwatch, but they do make uh, ghost hunting watches at ghostop.com. Uh, and the nice thing about those is they're just an audio recorder, so you don't have to worry about like phone calls coming through and interrupting your recording. Yeah, it's it's stone, own standalone recorder on your and it's, wrist. It's not, yeah, it's it's really nice. Like I said, I use my smartwatch to do recording, and I, I the audio quality is actually really good. And it's nice because 
you're able to keep your hands free to hold other equipment or your equipment. Who I don't know who wrote that. But apparently, <laughs> apparently, I like to keep my hands free so I can hold your equipment. So I can hold other people's equipment. So I can hold other people's equipment. <laughs> That's what we do, though. <laughs> well, all right, everybody. We'll catch you next week. Go so you don't play that. Peace out, butterflies. Oh, 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 o